Jim, sound check. Are you there? Hold on. Yes, I'm here. A little louder, Jim. Too low. I'm here. Can you hear me? Very low. Very low. You got to come up more. I'll turn it up. Please. All right. Sound check, Jim. Sound check, Jim. Terry, sound check. Are you there? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. All righty. Joelle, sound check. Are you there? Yes. Can you hear me? Loud and clear. Wonderful. All righty. Ten. Nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Good evening. Welcome to another evening of Dr. Cliff Burton Friends, featuring the absolute very best in all of women's sports and HBCU athletics. Welcome to our first anniversary show. We're going to have a great time tonight, and I'm going to unmute uh, my co-host tonight. I'm going to have him say hello to you. Welcome back to the show, known as the Triple Threat. Soon to be Dr. Terry Williams. Tell everybody hello, Terry. Good evening, everyone. Hope everyone's well. All righty. Great, great. And also, <clears throat> I want to welcome her to the show, uh, Joelle. It's Joelle Bowers. Tell everybody hello. Yes. Hello, everyone. Good evening and happy Thanksgiving. All righty. Great. And uh, she's with us tonight as well. Dr. Marlo Kemp, tell everybody hello, Dr. Kemp. Good evening, everyone. Thanks All for joining. All righty. And Jim Waddell, tell everybody hello. Good evening, welcome to the show tonight. All righty, you're gonna have to come up and sound, Jim. We gotta go to the chat room, one of the two. All right, here we go. The first story is um, over the Thanksgiving holiday, uh, we give thanks to a situation we've all been watching on TV over in Israel and the Gaza Strip. And we want to give some thanks to the fact that at least some hostages, some hostages have been released. Okay. Um, we know this thing is far from over, but uh, they're on a truce. I believe it's going to go on to Wednesday. And um, I'm coming to you. Uh, Joelle, tell us what you think about the minimal progress with some in the Middle East. Well, as times like these, you guys will know I follow the Lord as it goes, and there'll be times of war. So I always pray for peace on both sides and for the innocent families and victims that have to deal with this. And we do have, that is a sign of hope when you have hostages that have been released and they have a ceasefire that they're working on right now. So those that, I pray for all those that be in charge and especially for the victims. And it tears my heart out to see those innocent children and the elderly and the women. And they know this and part of, that's why they did this. So I pray against all of that that has to do anything with uh, attacking innocent lives and destruction. And I pray for peace in the world today, no matter what continent, especially here. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Jim, got to speak up. What do you think about the Middle East? The war? I'm 
anything that can uh, not have loss of life. They've extended the ceasefire. I think that's good. And we'll see what happens. All right. All righty. Thank you. Terry Williams, your thoughts, the Middle East. Yeah, I agree with both Jim and Joel. Anything that promotes peace, um, obviously they've come to an agreement for the exchange of hostages through this first ceasefire and are negotiating a second. So I just am continually in prayer for extensions of the ceasefire um, and the prolonging of innocent civilian lives, right? Like, we, the innocent really have nothing to do with this. Mm -hmm. I don't want my personal opinions to override the sentiment of the show, but I'm just praying for peace at this time. All righty. Dr. Kemp, give us your comments. The Middle East, the war. I totally agree with uh, my co-hosts, the other co-hosts, um, in agreement with um, prayerfully we can continue this ceasefire um, between the two and you know hopefully we can definitely or they can definitely release all of the hostages um soon and come to some type of peaceful agreement um, with mm -hmm. this situation well we'll continue to monitor it we'll continue to pray for it on the weekend of thanksgiving at least we had some glimmer of something to be thankful for it's far from over but we'll continue to pray about it now during this weekend as we sometimes do We'll celebrate some birthdays. There's a birthday we want to celebrate, two of them. Number one, he's still living, and he's a basketball legend. He turned 79 years old on 11-21-23. And that is none other than basketball great Earl the Pearl Monroe. Jim, tell us about Earl the Pearl Monroe, the legend. Winston-Salem's finest. Champion with the Knicks was just. I remember watching dribble. He he was mm, he could dribble his behind off. Mm -hmm. Player one with the Knicks started with the uh, Washington Bullets. Yep, yep. And he played for a legendary coach, uh, Big House Games at Winston Salem State. A little known history fact that the. Um, Winston-Salem State in 1967 with the other playing was the first HBCU to win an NCAA basketball championship in any division. So um, they say give it up for nobody but the firm. All righty. I'm going to come to Sheila Townsend. Welcome to the show. This is our reunion show. She's joining us tonight, the CEO for the love of tennis. How you doing, Sheila? Hello, how are you? And thank you for inviting me on this uh, special occasion. All righty. Give me your thoughts, Sheila. Do you remember him? Earl the Pearl Monroe? I do remember him. Um, 79th birthday this weekend. We celebrate Earl the Pearl. Wow. Um, I do remember him. I wasn't a real big basketball fan at that time. I know who he is, yeah, but I, I really can't speak on sure him. That's fine. If you see anybody on the basketball court today, Steph Curry, Kyrie Irving, Magic Johnson, do a spin move 
it was patented by none other than Mr. Earl of Pearl Monroe. Legend. Yeah. We have one more thing we want to talk about. We lost her in the past year, but um, uh, she was born um, a few days ago, I believe the 27th of uh, November, or the 26th, and they recognize her as Annie Mae Bullock was her first name, but she's known as the legendary Tina Turner. What's love got to do with it? So Terry Williams, tell us your thoughts. Legendary Tina Turner. Well, obviously, we got to celebrate um, the greatness of, of the almighty Tina for more reasons than one, right? Like, don't forget that it was her emancipation from her marriage that really gave light to domestic mm -hmm. abuse and empowered women everywhere to leave these harmful situations. And it was the beginning of her solo rock career, in essence. Um, everyone is very well-versed if they know her story that she left with 84 cents in her pocket and mm -hmm. in the divorce proceedings asked the court to grant her nothing but the name that she had become very well known by globally mm -hmm. tina using ike's last name turner so with the retention of that name her stage name she was able to capitalize as an African-American solo artist of rock, which was already rare, but in her mid-30s, which was extremely rare. So she definitely needs to be celebrated for multiple milestones, some of which I just mentioned. Mm -hmm. All righty. Dr. Kemp, one more comment. Thank you so much, Terry. One more comment. Tina Turner. Oh, happy birthday, Miss Turner. Um, just wish that I had those legs and can shimmy, <laughs> can shimmy like she could and and could sing. Um, as Terry said, she's definitely a legend, um, and definitely went through some trials. Um, and it's just um, amazing that she came out on top on the other side. So definitely happy to have you know been able to enjoy her and her music and um definitely a legend for yeah all right tina turner okay now we're celebrating our women of the month and this woman this month's women of the month and this will be our last one we do this year next month we just continue on with our review from last year so here we go cheryl miller we've been talking about her all month we talked about her high school. We talked about her college. We talked about she played briefly in several professional leagues uh, in 1986 after she graduated from USC. But also, let's talk about her broadcasting career. She served as a sideline reporter for the NBA on TNT's Thursday Night Double Header coverage for TNT Sports. And she also made appearances on NBA TV during the 2008-2009 NBA season as a reporter and an analyst. She joined Turner Sports in September 1995 as an analyst and a reporter for NBA on TBS and TNT. She did make a case appearance on studio, as a studio analyst for the NBA game in November of 1996, and she became the first female analyst to call a nationally televised NBA game. Cheryl Miller, Joelle, what do you think about her career? Joelle. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Joelle. Yes, I'm here. What do you think Can about Cheryl me? Miller? 
Yes. Oh, outstanding. Outstanding. And uh, I think it's nice that we commemorate not only her outstanding high school and college and career with all that, but her implementing in the sports casting uh, avenue, which is where we have now and building the whole empire behind sports. And so she's one of those to watch as she climbed each phase and went through. Outstanding. Cheryl Miller. Cheryl Miller, for sure. Jim, where do you think Cheryl Miller would be today if she played in the WNBA or even <laughs> the NBA? Where do you think she stands, Jim, well, in a prime? She would dominate the WNBA. I'd say it again, Jim. She would dominate the WNBA mm-hmm. because of her uh, talent level, shooting ability. She still holds records for points. At USC, over mm-hmm. almost forty years ago, she still yeah. holds those records. Yep, Cheryl Miller, simply the best in the words of Tina Turner, better than all the rest. Yes, yes, yes. Now, we're going through our review this month for the year, so we want to mention our third woman of the month. We started last November, December. And then January, and it was none other than Coach Patricia Summit, okay? Patricia Susan Summit. Uh, she was the coach of the Lady Balls of Tennessee, and she accrued in her career 1,098 wins, okay? She played at Tennessee Martin 1970, 1974, and she, was, um, she won eight NCAA championships, 18 NCAA regional final fours, 16 SEC championships, and a host of wins in international competition as a player and as a coach. And I'm going to come with none other than the triple threat, Terry Williams. Tell us about her. You played against her when you were at Virginia Tech. Tell us about it, Terry. Um, truly, wait, who were we talking about? Patricia <laughs> Summit, Coach Summit. So, okay, so... I played against the University of Tennessee coached team, coached by Pat Summit once. We met them in the Sweet 16 in 99, and Coach Summit obviously had a stacked team at that time. This is a team that had the claw. This is a team that had all the meeks, in fact. Mm. it was just really an impressive starting five. Um, but Pat, you know, I, I have a special place in my heart because Pat said some really, really nice things about me as a player on that growing and new program building Virginia Tech program. So that year that we met them, that was the second year that Virginia Tech had a winning season. Um, my freshman and sophomore year, and it was just an incredible ride. Pat Summit is obviously legendary. The program history that she's built at the University of Tennessee and, you know, everyone in the basketball world, male or female, respects her for that. No doubt about it. Pat Summit, one of the month for January. Thank you so much on that, Terry. Now, our women executive of the week. And this is a phenomenal, phenomenal 
woman. Her name is China Jew. Let me give you some information about her. She's associated with the Denver Broncos. In June of 2021, the Denver Broncos made her or hired her, her as the vice president of diversity, equity, and inclusion. In the newly created role for the organization, Jude worked closely with football, business, and community leadership on diversity, equity, and inclusion strategy. She was also worked directly with human resources and community development departments and focused on recruitment, hiring processes, overall workplace environment, and external outreach. She brings a host, and I mean a host, of experience to the Broncos. She, prior to that, she coached at the, um, had 23 years of collegiate athletic administration and coaching experience. She worked at the University of Wyoming as a senior associate athletics director for administration. Administrative and nutrition, strategic planning, gender equity, and diversity inclusion initiatives, and the volleyball and soccer programs. She's done so much, but let me just get to her education and also her collegiate days. She was a collegiate volleyball player at Alabama State University. She also had experience as a volleyball coach and assistant coach. She led coaching staffs at the University of District of Columbia and the University of North Carolina. As a native of Keegan, Illinois, Jude completed a bachelor's degree in broadcast journalism from Alabama State in 1994. She earned a master's degree in sports administration marketing from the United States Sports Academy in 96 and completed her doctorate of education in from North Central University. There's so much more you can say about her, but Dr. Kemp, tell me, what do you think about this special, special women executive in sports? China Jude. Here we go again, Dr. Burke. Thanks for bringing another special executive woman of the week um, to us, to the forefront. Um, she is definitely uh, one to um, be proud of and to watch. And what I enjoy re reading about her information, um, she definitely was an HBCU grad and she, you know, moved her way through the ranks. Um, and just and look at her now she's a vp for one of the um prominent um football teams you know that we watch uh, weekly um during football season um so she's definitely doing something correct oh yeah what an example to follow and there's so much more that we could have read about her but go look her up china jude everybody a woman executive of the week in sports now as we stated we will cover volleyball all year long, and boy, we have. Tonight, I'm going to go over NAIA, Division II, NCAA, and Division III. We'll give you the highlight because they're going to start the tournament. Well, NAIA is already down to the Elite 24, and they'll be playing this weekend with a championship on Monday for the NAIA Division uh, National Championships, okay? There aren't any HBCUs left. Let's go to NCAA Division II. 64 teams have been selected. You can look it up on the website. And they will be playing for the national championship. From the SI Spring Hill, 30-4, and we played Tampa, 30-1 and in the first round. Also, from the uh, CIAA, Shaw will be playing Clarion in the first round of the national tournament. Shaw's 30 and 5, Clarion 25 and 6. So that's from the field of 60 
for Division Two. Now, Division One, 64 more teams are going to be playing off. Coppin State, the winner of the MEAC, will be versing a number one seed in their region, Pittsburgh. And in the other region, the Wisconsin Badgers, who are number one or two in the country, will be playing Jackson State from the SWAC Conference. And Jackson State won the SWAC, and they went into the SWAC title a fifth seed. So good luck to all of our teams as they begin their, I call it, November Madness all across the country. You got it. 64 teams Division Three, 64 teams Division Two, 64 teams Division One, 48 NAIA. They're getting it on right now for the national championships. What do you think about our volleyball? Joel, you're a volleyball player. What do you think about it? I believe it's very competitive, and I like the ranking thus far. Um, and those that have have risen to uh, the volleyball and the championships that we are. Also, uh, I would like just like to say a shout out to, um, of course, Fish University, even though they were not ranked first <laughs> within the division. Yes, actually, we made mention who was first in their division. Okay. All yeah. Right. Cliff, All and right. I think that was Talladega. Yeah, Talladega. And they got knocked out the first round of the NAIA. So they're out of it already. But um, they did a great show on the forest as well. Thanks so much. Uh, well, we will keep up with all of our volleyball playoffs. We'll take a minute, and then we'll be right back. Okay? Right back. Thank you. Welcome back, Dr. Cliff Burton, friends, featuring the absolute very best in all the women's sports and HBCU athletics. We want to welcome Fisk University Hall of Famer to the show, Renee Spencer. She's with us tonight. Also, the 48 engagements that are listening on our show. We're going to come back next week to women's basketball updates, but we do want to ask this question that's on everybody's mind in NCAA Division One, And I'm going to come Terry Williams first. What is going on with Angel Reese and the LSU Tigers. She's missed three or four games on a star study returning national team, and she's not around. What do you think, Terry? Uh, I don't think it's – I mean, what what's the actual question that you want to know? What am I thinking about the situation? Her missing with her missing games, games. yes. Or – like, what does it mean for what context, right? What does it mean for LSU? What does it mean for Angel Reese, the brand? Why do you think she's missing games? Why do I think she's missing games? Well, I think that Kim Mulkey has been very clear about this being an internal um, issue. Uh, she didn't even mention whether it was disciplinary or not. True. However, if you get into what the people are saying online, seems to be that there are some large 
friction between parents of the players yes and likely the players themselves having loyalty to their families are now squabbling with what the parents are saying um about and to each other online in the social media platforms um Hmm. as far as being benched i don't think that situation itself would have gotten Angel Reese benched. I think what would have gotten her benched are one of two things. Number one, one of the comments from one of the players' mothers um, was in reference to Angel Reese's grades. Now, if that's true and she was playing even with those grades, there could have been some NCAA oversight, which caused uh, an immediate and mid-game action on Kim Mulkey's behalf in order to save face. I think that is less likely as far as scenarios go because there's no coaches that I'm aware of in any sports realm that are receiving grade reports in the middle of a game. What is more likely is that it was a disciplinarian decision based on attitude, ego, and that's also what a lot of the other social media platforms are saying, that it was a coach's decision um, based on that. Now, This is a really important time in Angel's career. I don't know how many games you're allowed to play in a season before you can declare a redshirt season and save that season. Angel has made very clear that she's going to stay in NCAA as long as possible because it's more lucrative for her. So I think that given the way that sports has now empowered student-athletes, I don't see a scenario with the draw and leverage that Angel Reese as a player has to go play somewhere else, I don't see a short end to whatever disciplinary act or disciplinary actions Kim Mulkey has taken. I think that if she continues to sit, Angel will hit that portal. That's my personal opinion. All righty. Thank you for the insight on that. Steve, uh, give us a brief comment on this situation. Coach Steve Wright. Uh, I'm in, I'm in agreement, especially with the last part. I think it's, uh, was a disciplinary thing. And, uh, one parent mentioned, you know, you, you need to be on your daughter. She had a 2.0 grade point average, you know, it's just getting ugly. But, uh, Angel Reese had a big summer music videos and all that stuff. And she's taking advantage of the NIL, which she should. Uh, I think it's more like, uh, in Kim Mulkey's case, uh, attitude adjustment thing. And, um, I'm not a big fan of Kim Mulkey from, from some other incidents in the past and how she's handled them. And, uh, I'm just really not a fan of hers. If I was Angel Reese, I would, uh, if you're going to play this year, how it's going to work out and go ahead and play and whatever, and then hit the transfer portal because, uh, you're going to make money. You're going to make more money. Uh, go down to South Carolina and play with them. <laughs> okay. That's what you ought to do. <laughs> All right, Steve. Thanks so much. All righty. Thank you for that insight. Let's go to our last one here before we take a quick 30-second break and come to you, Jim, is congratulations to Caitlin Clark. She has just uh, passed Kelsey Plum's record in a career. She has scored over 30 points in over 40 games. It was 39 was the record by Kelsey Plum and the ace. Dr. Kemp, your thoughts? I know you love her, Caitlin Clark. 
Go, Caitlin. Congratulations. Um, yeah, she is definitely um, a dynamite player. And I would just love to see her in a shootout with Steph Curry <laughs> and Clay Thompson and anybody else that want to join. I just would love to just see what would happen. Um, and, and this is what we, she's earlier in the season, early in the season. So I'm just curious to know how many. Uh, points she's going to have at the end of this season. So look forward to definitely watching her. All righty. All righty. Congratulations. There. And I'm going to ask for the love, CEO, Sheila, keep, I'm keeping up with the basketball player in the NCAA with the uh, LSU. Not the excuse me, with Iowa. No. All righty. All right. That's fine. We'll come back to you, though. All right. We're going to take a quick break. Jim, we're going to be coming to you for some football HBCU. All right, Jim, here we go. Welcome back. This is our first annual year, Dr. Cliff Burton Friends Show, featuring the absolute very best in all sports, HBCU athletics. We want to welcome the 53 engagements on 18 of you in the studio. Jim, sway. I don't know if she can go to the transfer portal again because she transferred from Maryland. She might have to get a degree from LSU to be able to transfer. All right. So, you know, I'd have to ask some of my friends about that, like uh, Terry or even Renee. I don't know. All right. But well, back to football. Yeah. North Carolina Central trailed off and they lost to, in the second half, and they lost to Richmond. Now, North Carolina Central was a higher seed. Normally, that would get them a home game. What happened was North Carolina Central – didn't know if they're going to make the playoffs because they did not submit their bid with their 40000 to get that home game. And it ended up costing them in the end with their uh, playoffs. Benedict, you know, it was a bad weekend for our HBCU teams because Benedict, our number one seed in the Division II playoff, lost to Lenore Ryan at home, 35 to 25. The quarterback, Aeneas Dennis, completed 17 of 29 pass attempts for 376 yards and four touchdowns, but they still could not pull off the victory. You know, I want to give my kudos out to uh, North Carolina Central and Benedict for a great season. Benedict was undefeated. Now we have some classics. Tuskegee played Alabama State in the uh, Turkey Day Classic, and Alabama State won 41 to 3. And uh, late quarter goal line stand by Southern gives Southern the Bayou Classic victory. Also, after I just saw this today, Hugh Jackson was fired at Grambling after two years. 
we have a Morgan State football player, Elijah Williams, who has got a uh, NIL with the Black Bank Harbor Bank out of Baltimore. So he's going to have an NIL that's going to allow him to return as an intern and finish his football eligibility and degree at Morgan. So the shout-out goes to Harbor Bank in Baltimore. We also had Buddy Pogue, the coach of South Carolina State, won 44-17 against Norfolk for his last game. He's 151 career wins and final game as the South Carolina Bulldog head coach. Said, I've had a wonderful ride here in South Carolina and will be forever grateful for what this university has done for me and my family. I'm just so proud of what my guys accomplished today and happy for the seniors to send them out with a win. Shout out again to Buddy Pogue on a great career. We have our top 10 senior HBCU prospects. Number one is Sundiata Anderson, an edge for Grambling. He had 50 tackles and 12.5 tackles for loss and seven sacks and two forced fumbles in 10 games. Next is going to be, and excuse me if I don't pronounce this right, Amin Dankwa, a six foot eight, 365-pound offensive tackle from Howard. He was originally a soccer player during his upbringing in Ghana before moving to Canada, which helped his quickness and suddenness. He is massive 6'8", 365 pounds, but also moves good for his size. Willie Drew, number three, a cornerback out of uh, Virginia State. He attended James Madison first, where he was a rotational player, transferred to Virginia State following the 2019 season and quickly established himself as a leader of the defense with five interceptions and 12 passes attempted. Number four, Davis Richards. We've heard of him before. He's a quarterback at North Carolina Central. And, you know, he last year set program records with 3,449 yards and 198 completions on the way to North Carolina's Cricket Celebration Bowl win last year. He also won uh, MEAC Offensive Player of the Year. Number five is going to be Xavion Howard of Alcorn State, a running back. He rushed for 270 yards, 1,270 yards and 12 touchdowns and had 20-plus carries of 10 of his 11 games. We'll move on to the uh, NFL. Oh, no, let me do this one thing. We do have the Peach Bowl, which I mentioned last week, with Fort Valley State versus Fort Valley State is playing for the SIAC. Johnson C. Smith is playing for the PIAA. That'll be on this weekend. Now, in the NFL, we have – well, let, let me do this first. I'm sorry. I'm all jumping all over the place. We've got college football. 
Florida State came back in the top four. So you have the last four undefeated teams, Georgia, Michigan, Florida State, and Washington, all in the top four and would play in the playoffs. With Oregon with one loss playing Washington on Friday, the winner there will probably get in, and Ohio State is number six on the outside looking in. Now, in the NFL, we have a lot of parity. You have a top, you have Miami Dolphins at eight and three, Baltimore at nine and three, Jacksonville at eight and three, and Kansas City at eight and three, all topping their divisions in the AFC. In the NFC, you've got Philadelphia leading the pack at ten and one. The Lions are eight and three. The NFC South, which doesn't have a team over 500, the Falcons are leading at 5-6. And, and the NFC West, the 49ers are 8-3. Now, as always, my top five will be, have to go with the Philadelphia Eagles at 10-1, who coincidentally play the San Francisco 49ers this weekend. So those would be my one and two teams. Then you've got Baltimore, number three, Kansas City at four, and Renee, I'm going to go with the Cowboys at number five. So this is my report on football. All right. Thank you so much, Jim. Uh, great report. And uh, Renee said <laughs> Cowboys, number one. <laughs> We'll see. We'll take a quick break and we'll come right back with um, Joel and Cliff. We'll be doing some sports. Welcome back, Dr. Cliff Burton, friends, featuring the absolute very best in all the women's sports and HBCU athletics. So let's talk men's basketball, HBCU, and uh, let's start with the CIAA. We have the men's preseason team. Let me go through it with you, and then Joelle is going to give us the uh, team's records. So in the men's preseason team, they have a backcourt. Ezekiel Kennedy from Johnson C. Smith, first team. DJ Thomas of Shaw, Jaquante Harrett, Elizabeth City State, Isaac Parson, Winston-Salem State, and Reggie Hudson from Lincoln, PA. And um, they also have a front court, Tyler Foster, Fayetteville State, Kyrie Temple, Livingston, Nima Johnson, St. Augustine's, Jalen Alston, Winston-Salem State, Trey Richardson, Elizabeth City State, Shane Saigo from Shaw, and Todd Harding from Virginia Union. And this is the predicted order of finish this year in the CIAA. First place, Fayetteville State. Second, Claflin University. Third, Virginia Union University. Four, Winston-Salem State University. Five, Virginia State University. Six, Elizabeth City State. Seven, Lincoln. Eight, Shaw. Nine, Livingston. Ten, Bowie State University. Eleven, Bluefield State University. Johnson C. Smith is 12th. And St. Augustine's University predicted to finish 13th. So they actually got started playing 
And uh, Joelle, let's go through the records. Tell us what's going on. Uh, yes, looking at the records, at first, of course, as you mentioned, we have Fairville running first. And right now it's predicted that um, the they shall receive or have the player of the year. We have Fairville, we have Chaplin, Virginia St Union, and then Virginia State. We also have them listed by Northern Division as Virginia Union first, then Virginia State, Elizabeth City, Lincoln, Bowie, and Bluefield. And in Southern Division, we have Fayetteville, Chaplin, Winston, Shaw, Livingston, Johnson C. Smith, and St. Augustine. So it's important to see how these teams all are doing as we round up towards the closing. Mm -hmm. Are there any other comments you'd like to have at this point, sure, Dr. Bucks? Yeah, Joel. What are the team's overall records? Okay, you name the teams, but what are the overall records right now in non-conference play? The team's all overall records that I have listed as non-conference play. Um, I'm going to have to apologize for that just for a second because I can pull it up. Hold on. I'm sorry for the dead air. Okay. All right. And as I'm looking as the team's overall record for non-conference play, are you willing, uh, ready to go to the video that we have with the commissioner? Let's do this. We'll go into the SIAC and then we'll come back to it next week. So the SIAC, you have the what? The preseason awards. Preseason Player of the Year, Malachi McCoy. Defensive Player of the Year, Jamal Reynolds. On the first team, you have Jamal Reynolds from Fort Valley State University. You have Malachi McCoy, Benedict. Willie Jackson, Central State University. Jalen Williams from Clark Lane University. And Asante Price from Benedict College. The second team, Stephen Lyles from College. Brandon Smith, Benedict College. Kaya Evans from Illinois College. Anthony Pennington, Tuskegee University. And Taryn Wolford from Albany State University. We will come back next week with the placements of all our teams. We'll come back with the records as well as we'll talk with the, about the MEAC, and we will definitely talk about the SWAC conference. We'll take a quick commercial, and then we're coming back to you, Steve. We're going to come back. College sports, pro sports, and yes, we're going to talk about the great coach, Clarence Big House Gaines. All righty? All righty. Absolutely. All right. Steve, let's take us through some college basketball, NBA, and then Coach Big House Games. 
in um, Division One college basketball. We've got Purdue sitting at number one at six and zero. Arizona number two at six and zero. Marquette at five and one, and Marquette lost to Purdue by three in the um, uh, Maui Invitational. UConn is six and zero at number four. Kansas is five and one at number five. Number six is Houston at seven and zero. Number seven is Duke at five and one. Number eight is Miami at five and zero, who is currently down to Kentucky right now at halftime by about three. Uh, number nine, we have Baylor at six and zero. And number ten, I don't understand why they're still there. I kept waiting. I said that's not going to stay. Tennessee at four and two. <laughs> Because they are, and they and they've got a game uh, tomorrow. I think it's tomorrow. The ACC SEC challenge. I think theirs is tomorrow. They're playing at North Carolina, and uh, Kentucky. Actually, I thought, or even well, I'd say Kentucky before Texas A and M maybe should have been in that tenth spot. But uh, they had some great college basketball games this weekend with all the tournaments going on. Uh, uh, Houston is really strong at seven and zero, uh, and you've got some teams that are in the top twenty, like Florida Atlantic, who went to the uh, Final Four last year. That wasn't a fluke. Uh, they've lost one game this year, but they look good um, in beating Texas A and M this week, this past weekend. So you've got some good teams. Villanova's playing well, and their coach was under a lot of fire. It's just his second year there, but they're playing well. Texas is playing well. So you've got some good teams and some outstanding players. As far as the pros, wow. Uh, Philadelphia is surprising a lot of people. They probably have the best duo in the pros right now with uh, Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey. Uh, they... Uh, traded Harden, and ever since they traded Harden, they've been on a roll. Uh, they did. Hello, Steve. Slow down there. Okay. Because okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know we're going to bring Dr. Kemp in here on that, James Harden. Better get a comment in, Steve. <laughs> Dr. Kemp, <laughs> James Harden. <laughs> Dr. Burke, you must have heard me laughing over here with Steve comments. <laughs> <laughs> What's your thoughts on James Harden, Dr. Kemp? I think I know what they are. <laughs> um, which which team is he at again, Steve? I was laughing he's, so hard. He's, I, I he's with the hear. he's with the Clippers now. I don't think they won but one game since they got him there. They lost their first six <laughs> when they got him. <laughs> Not surprised. Not no, surprised uh-uh. at all. Uh-uh. Don't send him back to the East Coast though. He can stay in the, on the West Coast. Oh yeah, yeah. He, he, he needs to be there. <laughs> yeah, Jim. Jim says in the chat, Steve, and the Clippers are sinking with Harden. Uh-huh. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they are. It's sad. Uh, they've got all this talent, and they've got a good coach in Ty Lue, but you know, they've got a a cancer on the team. And Russell Westbrook oh, said he would come off the bench when they got this, which is uh, you know making a big sacrifice. But ever since Philadelphia, Philadelphia's been on a roll. I don't think they've lost but once yeah. since they since they got rid of them. And because you got Maxi and MB, those are two dogs. They're both averaging. Um, well, MB's averaging leading the league in scoring, and um, uh, Maxi's averaging almost 27, 28 points a game. So wow. they're putting it together. And tonight is Tuesday, so 
they're doing the in-season tournament games like they do every Tuesday and Friday. And you have only got two teams that are already qualified for the knockout rounds, which which are the Lakers and the Pacers. So you got six spots still up for grabs. So it'll all uh, culminate on uh, December uh, the 9th in uh, Las Vegas. Yeah. So you you got a lot going on. There's some guys that are playing really well. Uh, Portland's played well the last few nights. Uh, they got Scoot Henderson back who, you know, he's had a rocky start, but he is a generational type player and they'll, you all will get to see it as, as the season progresses. Mm-hmm. Victor Wimbenyama is good as advertised. Big Chet Holmgren at Oklahoma City is better than I thought he would be, you know, getting used to this game and everything. But uh, well, there, yeah. is, mm-hmm. is Chet Holmgren is he the one who fractured his foot last year, his rookie year? Yeah. Okay. That's, it. That's him. Right right before the season started. From Gonzaga. Yeah. That's the kid came from the Gonzaga? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Got it. Came mm-hmm. from Gonzaga. And um, uh, I, I, I was getting ready to say something derogatory about Mark Few, but let me keep my mouth shut. <laughs> uh, because he cost me money. And I'm oh, like, no. uh, he oh, cost no. me money. But uh, yeah, but uh, he's he's having a good year, and they're just some, you know, these 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 cats can really play, man. I tell you, it's just sitting up here watching these NBA players and these college players, and you know, I, the the thing about college basketball, if you're a gambler, you really have to know coaches because they will cost you money. Yeah, uh, they'll cost you money because you got some coaches out there. They've got great teams and have crippled more kids than polio. Mm. I'm telling you, that's just like, oh, man. But uh, you want to move on to my man Clarence sure. Big House Gaines. Not yet, not yet Steve. Let's go to okay. basketball. Okay, cool, cool. Hey, go, go yeah. for it. All right. You have two guys. I'm looking at the stat leaders that I think, um, how much longer can Kevin Durant score like this he's what 35 and he's number two or three in the league in scoring is that correct mm-hmm. yeah he averaging? he's averaging i think it was like 27 28 a game mm-hmm. uh he and both he and um booker both are up there booker had uh 40 the other night mm-hmm. and uh the, you know booker just really got back he's played he's been back and played about two or three games yeah but uh I think Durant, the last I looked, was averaging 29.9 yeah. a game. 29.9 a game. With his game, I think he could still score this clip at least, at least minimum of three more years at this wow. clip. Wow. Because he's long and he's so efficient. Yeah. The thing about him, he's so efficient that uh, I think he could he could really do that, especially if he's got a team where, like when he was at Golden State and he was averaging 27 a game, and he might take 12, 15 shots, and, you know, but he was so efficient, he's making almost all of them. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, he, he can uh, – I think he could, he could still do this at least three years at this clip. The other guy – that's 35 years old, and I was reading up on the stats, Steve. He's averaging about four, I think, 0.7 three-pointers a game. You think Steph Curry could do that all year? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, 
<laughs> let me go. Let me go to some of our um, other co-hosts here and 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 ask them um, what do they think is Steph Curry, and he is the great second. James, Jim, you got to speak up there. What do you think about Steph Curry, Jim? Uh, yes, I think he can do it for a long time because he can shoot from the back. He can shoot from any end of the gym. Yeah. So Steph Steph Curry will be scoring for at least another three four years. Mm -hmm. and, and 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 I'm gonna ask you. Uh, I'm gonna come to uh, Terry Williams. What do you think as far as um, the second best shooter in the league? Okay, we're we're gonna put Steph Curry. What do you think as far as Clay Thompson or one of the second best shooters? How long do you think he'll last uh, shooting? Because I think he's probably in the top five shooters in the league. Terry, what do you think about Clay and Steph? Can they win another championship with the shooting? I really hope so. They're going to need for Draymond Green to stay on the court. Um, they mm -hmm. need his presence defensively and for setting those screens that helps them get open. One of the things that I think isn't, uh, well, is the hot topic right now is the quote-unquote slump that Clay is experiencing this season as far as his shooting percentage. Now, his average currently is about – five percent off of his normal average i think he's taking a five percent um everybody knows players have up and downs you know what i mean like he was shooting at such an elite level the last yeah. couple of years it's really hard to watch the media kind of uh, for this quote unquote, but he gets his his swag back. He gets his confidence back, and they're gonna be able to uh, to win another one. Um, what they don't have on the team right now is Mr. Poole, who is doing his thing um, in Washington, and not saying that Poole is the reason that Clay is experiencing this slump, but, you know, adjustments need to be made. Maybe he's just adjusting to not having that extra shooter, that extra lights-out shooter that, you know, um, creates the defensive problem that allowed Clay to get some of those open looks. So, you know, time will tell, but I really do think that the guys have, them, have it in them to win another. Wow. All right. Thank you so much, Terry Williams. Terry Williams. All righty. Steve? Hey, I, got, I do have to say one thing. Um, sure. You never give up shooting. I I just wouldn't have given up Jordan Poole. He's getting you 20 off the bench. He's one of the better shooters in the league. And you give him up. That, you're going to have to work that out. Draymond and Poole, you're going to have to work that out. You're going to have to get along. Because we're trying to win here. And y'all have to be able to be adults, squash it, and move on. Because you you don't give up shooting like that. And I don't think they do need Draymond because he he does so much. Everybody, you know, everybody talks about his defense and which he's great in, but he does so much for you offensively. Like uh Miss Williams was saying, uh, with screening and passing. He's just so valuable, running a fast break. He can rebound and start your break. Your transition game doesn't have to suffer when he has the ball in his hands. But I don't know if they'll win it because I think, uh, like, they're getting older. I think Clay, I think he's seen his best days as uh, being one of those top players because when you have the type of surgeries he's had and you have to come back and this is a young man's game, you know, it's kind of difficult. But he can still, he can still shoot the ball. And plus, I think 
there are going to be some trades made. I, I'm, I'm thinking that Zach Levine may end up being a Laker. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you're talking about coming out of the West and, you know, Oklahoma City's on the on the come up. I mean, there's some great teams out there. Sacramento's living a lot, but hey. <laughs> <laughs> but that young guy can play. That one boy can play Fox, right? Oh, he's a dog. Yeah. He, yeah. he is a dog. He, he is a dog. Yeah, I got one more question before, and I'm a, I want um, Joel, I want uh, <coughs> Sheila to weigh in, I want Marla to weigh in as they can. Um, has the Lakers' time passed as far as being able to win a championship with LeBron? He had his worst loss of his career the other night by 44 points. Not necessarily him, but has the Lakers' time passed to build around him? Joel, what's your thoughts? Can the Lakers win with LeBron at this age and what they have? I, I think, Dr. B, to be honest, and I'll let Steve tell the exact stats, but I believe that they are rebuilding. Mm-hmm. I believe that he has a chance, but he's not listed in the top, you know, first or second plus with the history of illnesses. If mm-hmm. they can stay healthy and build a team, it's going to be more than just him. He's not able, I don't think he can do it alone anymore. It's going to require the team and the fact that they all stay healthy. So that's mm-hmm. my opinion. Sheila, and then we'll come to you, uh, Dr. Kemp. Sheila, give me your input. Is LeBron, uh, can you build around him and still win a championship at this stage of his career? Well, I think that they could um, because, because of his leadership, because of what his experience and the fact that he's won championships before, um, I mean, just I, I think about the Bulls and how they built around Michael Jordan, not that far in his in his um, at the age where um, LeBron was, where, where he is. However, um, he still is a very impactful player. Sure, I mean, sure. he, he has to have um, some supporting um, components around him to, to bring it all together. So I, I don't think it's completely dead, but they are going to have to not solely rely on him to be the end all for their team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I also thank you, Sheila. Uh, the other part of the equation, and Dr. Kemp, I want you to comment on that. The other big part is will Anthony Davis hold up his part of the deal uh, to make them successful? Dr. Kemp? Um, I, I think so. Um, I have to see how he's been playing. Um, I haven't really been watching um, the Lakers too much, but I totally agree with what um, Sheila said. Um, I think they can continue to build around him. Um, well, LeBron, if he, they have the players, and if Anthony Davis will step up, because I, I, last time when he stepped up, um, at least he kept them, um, you know, close to winning the a championship if they didn't, you know, win it. Uh, but I think long as he's playing well um, and any of the other additional players that they can bring in, um, I think that they would definitely they they could do they could take another um, championship. Right. It's, it's just going to take some time. As as and I agree with what Sheila said that they are definitely re, um, rebuilding and with his leadership, um, I think that they can get there again. Mm-hmm. It'd be interesting to see. All right, 
Steve, give us your thoughts on the Lakers and then take us all in the Coach Clarence Big House games. Take us all. I, I agree with what everybody has said. Um, LeBron has still got it, at, even at his age. The skill level is still there. The strength is still there. Uh, the IQ is always going to be there. But I watched part of that game where they got beat by 44 the other night, and after a while they knew that they weren't going to come back. So they just kind of went through the motions. But um, MB gave um, uh, Andy Davis the business in three quarters. In the, in the fourth quarter, he didn't even play. I, I think he was – I think he even left and went home and came back. But uh, he gave AD the business. Uh, they need the AD that played in New Orleans to show up. LeBron is trying to make him the leading scorer on this team. He has been trying, but it just is not happening. And I'm hoping that, you know, like I said, they are, I agree with that. They're rebuilding. They've got a good core together. And I think they could do something with this core. But I think they're going to be in win now mode. And they may try to make a trade and jump and get uh, Zach Levine. Mm -hmm. And uh, with that, uh, that really puts them at another, another level. I don't know who they'll have to give up. Probably uh, Reddish. Uh, maybe uh, Vanderbilt, uh, Jared Vanderbilt, uh, maybe Reeves. They're going to ask for a lot for Zach, Zach Levine, which they should. And uh, I don't know if the Lakers still have the draft capital uh, to get rid of him, but um, I wouldn't be surprised to see them uh, make that jump. There are going to be some trades made. Detroit's going to probably trade maybe two or three of their players that can actually play, mm -hmm. but they've got a stockpile at the forward positions. And uh, it really guards too, but it, it's just a, it's a cluster down there. I'm telling you, they won two games okay. and Washington blew them out last night. So it's, you know, it's interesting to see, but uh, we'll see. All right. We'll see. Coach Gaines. Class Big House Gaines, Winston State. Winston-Salem State University in North Carolina. He was born in 1923 in Paducah, Kentucky, and he died in 2005 in Winston-Salem. Uh, he actually attended college at Morgan State, where he was a big-time football player. He played basketball, but his best sport was football. He said he played basketball, but he wasn't that good, but, but he played. Uh, he uh, got the nickname when he got to uh, Morgan State. Guy saw him, and he was 6'4", 290 pounds, and he said, you're big as a house. <laughs> and it stuck. And it stuck. So, uh, Dr. Burke, Dr. Kemp, you all, you two will uh, like to hear this. He was a chemistry major, graduated oh, wow. chemistry uh, degree. Uh-oh. And he wanted to be a dentist. Uh-oh. <laughs> he wanted to be a dentist, but his college coach talked him out of it and told him to go take some classes at Winston-Salem Teachers College, which he did and got a physical education certification. Well, by luck, he wasn't even supposed to get the Winston-Salem job. Some things happened and fell into place, and it fell in his lap, and he was the head football coach the head basketball coach, the AD, 
the trainer, and he was over tickets. Mm -hmm. He was over everything when uh, he was at uh, Winston-Salem. But uh, he won eight CIAA titles at Winston-Salem. Yeah. And in 1967, they won the Div Division II National Championship, and they were the first team, first HBCU team to do that. Uh, yeah. He coached there for 47 years. 47 years. Mm -hmm. uh, his most famous player was the man we know as Black Jesus. <laughs> Earl the Pearl Monroe, Black Jesus. A friend, a friend of mine actually was going to school at North Carolina Central and, and actually got to see him play in person. He was, he, you know, he was an older guy. And he said he couldn't believe it. He was something else. And uh, he uh, also coached, and this is controversial, Stephen A. Smith hmm. at ESPN. And the thing that's controversial about it, when uh, Stephen A. got to uh, Winston-Salem, he actually cracked his kneecap and didn't get to play that year. But while he was there and playing, uh, he wrote a paper. He was writing for the school paper and wrote a paper about how Gaines didn't need to be the coach and, you know, he needed to step down. Now, he put it on him talking to Gaines and him telling Gaines, you know, I don't want you to have no heart attack, you know, during the game. I don't want to see that. And because he said that he thought Gaines was having some strokes mm -hmm. on the bench and which eventually in later years, he did have a stroke and passed away. But the uh, administrators of the school wanted uh, Smith to be ousted. But mm -hmm. Gaines came to his, to his defense and said, you know, don't do it. In my opinion, <laughs> I've been in this situation before. I just didn't do anything about it because I couldn't. But in my opinion, I don't think it was a health thing with Stephen A., I'm just, I'm just guessing Stephen A. probably thought that the game had passed um, Big House by. And I don't know this, but that's just my feeling. Uh -huh. And I could be, I could be wrong. Because, uh -huh. you know, you look there and he was there 47 years. Yeah. yeah. You know, like Jim Beheim was at uh, Syracuse, what, 45? Yeah. I mean, he helped him out. Can you say Stockholm Syndrome? With those All right. fans of Syracuse? All right. All right. Oh, my God. All right. Yeah. All right. Great, great job. You did a great job before on legendary John McClendon and now Coach Big House Gaines. We're going to continue to highlight our legendary African-American coaches in history. They're right up there, of course, with Dean Smith, Bobby Knight, Mike Krzyzewski of what they contribute to the game. So great job, Steve. Thank you. All righty. Before we go, we always let Dr. Kemp have the last word before we get out of here, but I want to say congratulations to one of our listeners here from down there in North Carolina, uh, Mr. Mark Cooper and his wife, Michelle. Their son just graduated in December from North Carolina A&T with a degree in engineering. So, Mark, hey, congratulations, man. Tell Michelle. We also have on the line tonight with us Benita Hayes, who's one of our consistent followers of the show out of Nashville, Tennessee. Hello, Benita. So, Dr. Kemp, 
give us the final comments, and then we'll we'll uh, go to Jim for announcement about a show of his, and we'll get out of here. Dr. Kim. All righty. Well, oh, Steve, thank you for that uh, wonderful uh, story on Coach Big House. I just wanted to add to that. I saw that he was a basketball consultant for the U.S. Air Force. So I thought that that was definitely interesting um, to add on to those other accolades that he has. So hopefully everybody had a, everyone had a wonderful Thanksgiving uh, last week as we go into the holiday season. Um, thank you everyone for joining us tonight. And as Dr. Burt always says, I'll, I'll turn, toss it back over to him to finish out the show. Just thanks uh, for joining. All right. Before we come to Jim, who's going to talk, I want him to talk about, a show that he's doing in sports, him and Mark Jones. I want to give a shout out, Keene College, right here in New Jersey. One of their players was a patient of mine. I told him, hang in there. I told him we shout him out tonight. And I also want to say welcome to the show and welcome back. And that is none other than Mr. Jeffrey Kemp. We love you, man. Glad to have you back. All right, now, Jim, tell us about your show before we get out there. Get out of here. or 1500 a.m. The show is also on Wake Up Call Detroit Facebook and YouTube. Mark Jones and my crowd. All right. 8 to 10 on Saturday. All right. And we'll continue to promote that show. Uh, this show was born out of Mark Jones and Friends show, a show that Jim has been on for years. And so I just want to say thank them. To our 70 engaged listeners, are 13 others in the studio typing in the chat. We want to say welcome. We're kicking it off for another year, starting tonight. Thank you for support. We're going to take this higher. To Joelle, Terry, James, Marlo, Steve, and Sheila, thank you so much. And everybody, we'll see you back in 168 hours from now. Thank you, everybody. <laughs>